Good morning, Peninsula Hope Church. We hope you guys are doing well as you continue to shelter in home with all of us. We miss you guys. We love you guys so much. Um, I did want to mention one thing. Um, you know, we are we, we love that we're able to gather this way, and we realize that, you know, in a perfect world, we'd be able to meet uh, in our building. That would be great to be able to love on one another, hug each other, things like that. But for this season, being able to be with you guys online, here's the reality. You are the church. We are the church. And so we want to thank you guys so much for joining us, because whether we're uh, in our building or we're at home when we're together, we are the body of Christ. And so thank you guys so much for joining us. Last week, if you uh, were able to join us or, or listen to the sermon online, you know that I preached a sermon on loneliness. And I had mentioned that there just wasn't enough time to hit both of the emotions that I wanted to talk about as we're continuing our, uh, our series called Dealing With How You're Feeling. And so today I want to hit that second emotion. And it's one that a lot of people that I've talked to have been dealing with as we have been sheltering in place. And it's one that had a lot of uh, just detriment and harm that it had on David and his life. And it's one that actually I experienced uh, during this season as we've been sheltering in place. And it took place maybe a little bit about a little bit over a month ago. And I was, I was up late at night, couldn't sleep. And it was just really interesting that just the different things that I could do just didn't seem very appealing or entertaining to me. Um, didn't feel like watching a movie that didn't seem like very much fun, didn't want to play a video game. And unfortunately, because we are sheltering in place, I couldn't go to the gym. And at this time, Emily had already fallen asleep. And so really, I was just left to my own thoughts. And I was hanging out on the couch and it finally hit me. I was so bored. And this might sound a little bit silly, but here's the thing. It wasn't a boredom of, hey, there's nothing to do. This was a boredom of, I'm unmotivated to do anything. And my mind started wandering. And I just felt like empty and unfulfilled. And that's what was happening to me as I was getting more and more bored. Luckily, since it was late, I eventually fell asleep. And so it really wasn't such a big deal. But the thing is, is that not all people get bored late at night. There's people that get bored during the day. And for some individuals who get bored late at night, they just toss and turn and they're not able to deal with that boredom. And many people like David, unfortunately, they deal with their boredom in ways that are less than beneficial for them. And so we're gonna be talking about that today. But before we get into David's story, I wanna talk a little, about, a little bit about boredom in general. One definition put it this way, it said, boredom is generally viewed as an unpleasant emotional state in which an individual feels a pervasive lack of interest in and difficulty concentrating on a current activity. It happens when people have a high level of psychological energy or arousal that they want to use to do something, but they can't find anything engaging. There's a couple reasons of why this has been happening to people as they've been sheltering in place. 
There's a lack of choice or control over your daily activities. As we all know, our life has changed and uh, different policies and rules have come down, so we're limited on what we can do every day. There's a lack of diversified recreational interests. We're not able to do the normal things that we've been, being able to go on walks and uh, go to the swimming, uh, the swimming pool, things like that. We're not able to do those things the way we used to. And then we have a poor perception of time. Our day is just, it's, it's all kind of coming together. One day feels like two and vice versa. Things like that have been happening and this is causing people to become bored. For David, his boredom was brought on by not doing what he was supposed to be doing. And so we're going to be focusing on 2 Samuel chapter 11. So 2 Samuel chapter 11 verses 1 through 5 says this. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. So what we see here is David, his boredom came because he was not going to war. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to, what kings normally do. And so he didn't have much to do when he found himself on the roof. And it was springtime. It was getting warmer. And so, of course, he didn't want to stay indoors. He wanted to be outside. And then we see that when he is outside, he starts pacing, right? He's walking. That's what people do when they're bored. They don't know what to do, but they have some energy. So they're walking back and forth. He's bored. And then as he's pacing back and forth, he sees a woman bathing. Now he should have looked away. He should have known that by his lusting, he was sinning, but he doesn't do that. Instead, because of his boredom and, and having that energy and having nothing and not being able to deal with it, he inquires about the woman. So at this point, we see that David has invited other people into his sin. Second Samuel 11 and three says, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So now David knows her name. She's Bathsheba and she's married. So things should have just stopped there. It should have been over. He should have gone back to bed or just gone inside. But that's not what happened. 2 Samuel 11, 4 through 5 says, Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. So David sends for Bathsheba. He sleeps with her and he gets her pregnant. 
Now again, you're probably telling yourself, come on, David, this is it. It needs to stop here. But it doesn't. 2 Samuel 11, 6 through 9 says, So David sent this word to Joab. Send me Uriah the Hittite. This is Bathsheba's husband. And Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked him how Joab was, how the soldiers were, and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace, and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all his master's servants, and he did not go down to his house. So what we see here is David was scheming. He was hoping that by bringing Uriah back, Uriah would want to go and be with his wife. And he was hoping, you know what, if Uriah sleeps with Bathsheba, then, then everybody will be able to say, oh, that's Uriah's kid. And then David gets away with everything. But that's not what happened. Uriah basically says, how can I do this thing? My men are out in the field. They're fighting a war and they're dying. How could I go relax at home? And so he doesn't do that. So David's plan doesn't work. And so we see the story go further. 2 Samuel 11, 14 through 17 says this. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah out in front where the fighting is fiercest. Then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. So because David could not cover his sin, because his plan didn't work, he schemed again and he had Uriah killed. And it's not that David did it himself. He went to the extra effort of doing it in a way where maybe people wouldn't realize what had happened. So we see here that because David struggled to deal with his boredom, his choices led him down the slippery slope of sin and it ended up with someone dying because he didn't know how to deal with being bored and having that energy and not knowing the best way to, do, uh, to deal with it. And this is significant because boredom affects so many people. And if we are not careful, we can end up on that same slippery slope as David. And it might not end up in someone's death, but it can end up in a lot of other sinful patterns. In 2016, the American Psychological Association, they did this test. And basically what this test said was that 63% of this group that they were researching and they had um, tested on boredom and how they felt during this period of 10 days, that 63% of those individuals said that they got bored at one point or another during this 10 day period. And there was another report that said between 30 and 90% of Americans report boredom daily. So daily, there are a lot of people that get bored 
And this was another staggering number that said that 91 to 98% of youth reported boredom daily. And as kids are staying home and they're sheltering in place and having school at home, you can see why this is so significant because this boredom, right, and this slippery, this slippery slope, it can affect adults and it can affect kids as well. And researchers have found that boredom is predictive of loneliness, anger, sadness, and worry. What that's saying is that people that are bored, there's a high possibility of them being lonely, angry, sad, or worried. And we have seen this and heard this as well during this time that we have been sheltering in place. So boredom can affect the way that we think about ourselves and the way that we think about others. And as we saw in David's life, boredom can also lead to some very poor choices. Some of the struggles people have had while sheltering in place are increased drug usage, alcoholism, increased use of pornography. I've also read that compulsive gambling has gone up as well as people are bored and they're looking for ways to stimulate their minds. It was reported that during the first week of sheltering in place, the Bay Area's residents drank 42% more than usual. 42% more people were drinking because they were sheltering in place. That's staggering when you think about it. Reports also show that alcohol, marijuana, and porn sales have all increased dramatically I was reading one story that had numbers on online gambling and it talked about how much online gambling has increased. And that, this surprised me because I would have thought with, with all the financial challenges and fears that people have that if anything, the gambling community, that it would have collapsed and it hasn't because gambling companies, they're marketing online because people are spending so much time online and because of the stimulus money that has come in and because some people have had a break on mortgages or rent, instead of people using that money on basic essentials, they're using it to gamble because they want that excitement. So as you can see, boredom is leading to a lot of terrible choices for people. And we have to deal with this or we are going to continue down that spiral, that slippery, slippery slope of sin. We need to watch what we're doing. So how do we do that? How, how, do, we, how do we keep ourselves from falling into this trap that David fell into? Well, I think the answer can be seen in 1 Timothy chapter 5, 11 through 13. It says, but refuse to put younger widows on the list for when they, when they feel sensual desires in disregard of Christ, they want to get married, thus incurring condemnation because they have set aside their previous pledge. At the same time, they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house and not merely idle, but also gossips, and busybodies, talking about things not proper to mention. And this is talking about a list of widowers. And they're basically, this, this passage is saying is that, you know, young women who could work, 
Don't put them on this list because they will become idle. They won't do anything. And to fill their time, they're gonna be gossiping and being busybodies. And that's the same thing for us, that we need to be careful about our idle time and having an idle mind. So here are some things that you can do, very tangible things to help you when idleness hits you, when boredom hits you. Develop a flow and try to keep it. In a, in a previous sermon I talked about, try to stick to the same schedule that you had when you weren't sheltering in place. And though this might not be exactly the same, getting up in the morning, taking a shower, getting dressed, these normal patterns help you, then you won't be up late at night or you won't get bored in the middle of the day because you have nothing to do. Try to be as consistent as possible. This is another really important one. Unplug and develop a passion and appreciation for quiet time with God. Unfortunately, because we've had to move everything online, people are actually plugged in more now than they were prior to sheltering in place. So in many ways, we have to relearn how to take that quiet time. And that's hard for a lot of people. I know it's hard for me. And so now I have to go back and really force myself to take some quiet time to unplug the internet and just think about God, to read the Bible. It's another one I put down, read the Bible. Purpose to memorize verses. Don't just read it the way you used to. Dig in deeper, say, this passage I'm reading, I actually wanna memorize this verse. So if I find myself idle and bored during the day, I can just recite it from memory. Study the Bible, truly study the Bible. Understand that the Bible is a historical document. And just like students of history view the Bible in the same way, do your research. I'm sure there's questions and things that you have wondered about. Take this time to research them. Uncover details you never really thought about or realized were there in your favorite passages. And, and Pastor Emily reminded me that, you know, we got to tell you that if you guys need help finding uh, credible resources, talk to us. We can point you in directions. Um, there's so many great resources online. There's some pretty terrible ones as well. So definitely talk to us and we can point you in the right direction to do that. Maybe listen to an audio Bible. I've heard so many um, commercials about Audible and how great Audible books are. Well, do that same thing. Just do it with the Bible. Fill your mind with God's word. Develop a prayer list of people to pray about and pray for them. If you have time, if you have that idle moment, take that time to pray for others. And the final thing I have listed here, and unfortunately this is something that David did not have, find an accountability partner. Find someone you can trust and you can talk to and you can say, hey, I am struggling with this. My mind is racing. I have nothing to do and I'm feeling like I'm tempted to do this. Hold me accountable. Find someone that you could text and say, I need your help. I need you to pray with me. Because perhaps if David had someone like that in his life or if the individuals he asked to help would have said something maybe a life would have been saved. 
maybe some of those choices that he made wouldn't have happened. So in that, as I talked about last week, we also have to be transparent and we have to trust, right? We have to be able to share what we're feeling inside. And if I am the accountability partner, I have to basically present myself as someone safe to talk to. So I wanna encourage you guys to pray about that because accountability partners, if you have one, and it's a genuine trusting relationship, it's incredible and it can help you through some very tough times. I wanna close this sermon with two verses. One is Philippians 4, 8, and it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So when your mind is idle and negative and inappropriate thoughts start racing through your mind, do your best to focus on the positive truths in your life, that you are meaningful, you have a purpose, that you're loved. And Colossians 3, through 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Understand that it's God that created you. So every moment of your life, it's all possible because of God. So rededicate your life to God, even those idle moments, because every second that you breathe, it is a gift from God because of him. And if it helps, it sounds kind of funny, but it is actually a truth. If it helps, picture God, picture Jesus sitting right next to you. And use that and say, wow, how would I act if Jesus was right next to me? Because I'm sure if you think that way, your actions will probably be a little different. And the reality is, God is there. So keep that in mind because I truly believe it will help you. And just know we're all praying for you because all of us are likely to have a moment of boredom. But if we focus on God, it can make all the difference. Amen. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Lord, I pray that you would guide our minds, our thoughts, our actions, Lord. Help us in those moments when we feel boredom. Lord, when we feel that there is nothing that we can do. Lord, put people in our lives that can hold us accountable, that can help direct us when we're feeling like going the wrong way. People that will be bold enough to call us out, Lord, if there is a sin pattern in our life and help us to be humble and loving enough to hear it. Lord Jesus, I pray for all the needs, all the challenges and struggles that anyone is going through, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that more and more people would come to you and realize, Lord, how much you love them. We pray this all in your name. Amen. We love you guys, and we'll see you soon. God bless.